Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good morning, everybody. It's my privilege to share the word with you this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Mezen. And I am married to Andrei, and we have three children. Um, and I'm also a little bit nervous. <laughs> Awesome, I'm going to probably pray before I start. <laughs> Father, I just thank you, God, that, um, that you are with, with us and that you are present. Thank you, God, that you, that you go before us and that you make our paths straight. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you prepare our hearts to hear what you want to share this morning, God. And I pray, God, that you'll be glorified in that... Um, Oh, Lord, that your truth will stick. Lord, that every word that I say that is not of you will just fall away, Father God, but that your truth will stick in Jesus' name. Pray, Father, that it will bear fruit and good fruit and fruit that remains. In Jesus' name. Goed, my heart, This morning I'm going to share something a, a few weeks ago. Um, Henny and Rochelle said that they're not going to be here this weekend and um, asked if I would share the message. And I've been walking with the message since September. So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, I've got something on my heart already. God's been talking to me about a bunch of stuff. And, and then when I started preparing, I really felt God saying that I shouldn't share that, that he wants to share something different. So I was like, okay, sure. Um, and in the, in the weeks preparing for, for this morning, um, I was really just trying to listen to what God was saying. So there's not a specific story that I've been walking with normally when I share a message. It's more of a testimony than it is a teaching. Um, but I hope that this word this morning will really be from God to you and to your heart and that it will speak to you, um, speak to us. It's not something I have down. It's, it's a word that um, I also need to hear. Um, and God could have used a donkey, so don't uh, think that it's me. Um, we've been talking about exploring why the past few weeks we've fin- finished that service, ach, that series. And um, in the series, God just started to sh- highlight things of, of where often God shares something and we hear it, but we struggle to apply it, like Alex was saying. It was so cool, actually, the worship and the words that were shared. I felt like I can actually go home. What God wanted to say, he said already. So it's very clear that he wants to share this. Sometimes we have a desire to change, but we we struggle to actually change. There, Maybe there's a struggle in our willingness to surrender. Maybe trust has something to do with it. I think... We often look for tools to fix stuff and then maybe don't necessarily know what the root cause is for that thing. And during intercession a few weeks ago, I really felt God saying that trust has something to do with it. Trust has something to do with our ability to change. Trust has something to do with our willingness to change. Trust has something to do with that. So let's explore that a little bit. I'm going to read for us from Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 7. And this scripture has been a scripture that's been precious to me since I got saved. Um, It's one of those that I always go back to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So what is trust? Let's just look at a few definitions of of some of the words. I find it easier to, to relate to something when I have an actual understanding of the words that are used. So bear with me. The definition of trust is a firm belief or faith in the reliability, truth, and ability of someone or something. Trustworthy means able to be relied on as honest and truthful, safe and reliable. Reliable means consistently good in quality or performance, able to be trusted. And safe means not likely to cause or lead to harm or injury, not involving danger or risk. Let's go back to the word, Proverbs 3. It starts with my son, which is quite encouraging. God encouraging us and speaking to us as his sons. Daughters, we are included, just like the men are included in the bride of Christ. (laughs) My son, he speaks to our identity. He speaks to our belonging. Do not forget my teaching. That do not forget is, is a reminder of something that we often tend to do, right? He wouldn't say do not forget if he knew we were prone to forget. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And that heart that he's speaking of there speaks to our whole inner being. So our mind, our will, our emotions, our desires. Let your heart, let your inner being, let your mind... Let your emotions, let your desires keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. And that steadfast just speaks of, he speaks of himself as being as steadfast. So that speaks of a covenant relationship we have with Christ. So he says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. There's quite a few promises there. I don't know if you want to write them down. But if you've got a Bible, they're in there too, right? (laughs) You can just highlight some promises there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Again, their heart, your intellect, your insight, your knowledge. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And when he says there, fear the Lord, he's not speaking of being afraid of. It's rather having a healthy sense of reverence towards him. Have a healthy sense of reverence and awe of who God is. And I think a cool thing there from verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. So another promise of provision when he is honored as your source. And just to relate to 
the discipline. I don't know if you've ever read Hebrews 12, but in Hebrews 12, he also speaks of he comes to discipline us and he disciplines us because we are his sons, because we are his, because we belong to him and because he loves us. Um, it's easier, <laughs> ask any parent, it's easier to not discipline. Discipline takes consistency. Discipline takes effort. Discipline takes time and energy. And it's not really that much fun to discipline your child. But you know that the fruit of your discipline will be good for your child. So what is the struggle? Why, if God says that we should trust him and lean not on our own understanding, why do we struggle to do that? Why, if he promises good when we do trust him, why do we struggle? Maybe we think one way and God thinks another way about life and trust. Maybe there's just a difference in the way that we think. Maybe there's just something other than the word, something other than his truth that has shaped the way that we think about life in general. Let's look at that quick. The human condition, I labeled it. Our concern as humans is more often based on reaching or achieving outcomes or destinations. We base our success and the success of others on it. We build and establish our trust and even measure our faith by it, by outcomes and successes, right? Because this is how the world measures. If you walk into a job, then you get um, appraised for your performance. So there are goals that you need to reach and you have a certain way to get there and when you reach it, you've done well. If you haven't, then you haven't done well, right? The world shapes us and shapes our values to put higher value on outcomes than it does in the process. Where God, in contrast, is more concerned in the way. He's more concerned with the process. He bases your success and the success of others on it. He builds and establishes trust and even measures our faith by it. Because this is how he measures. I just want you to think about that quickly for a second. If we base how we trust someone on their outcomes or on the outcomes of a certain situation, and God bases trust on the process of the way, there's quite a contrast. I suppose it's conflicting too. I'm not saying that he's not in the outcomes or that he doesn't give outcomes to but he's more concerned with ways and the processes of getting to somewhere rather than the end destination. Because his word says he's more concerned with our character than he is in the end result. We often struggle to trust because we anchor our trust in variables. Because outcomes are variable, right? We don't really have control in our in the outcomes of things. But often if we put our trust in outcomes and we don't get that outcome, then it shakes our trust. The world says achievement without pain or suffering. God says through pain and suffering. God encourages us to anchor our faith or trust in him rather than in outcomes. God is concerned with your character, 
the way you suffer, the way you handle victories, the way you succeed, the way you fail, rather than the victory or the failure. He's interested in our character, and he encourages us to anchor our trust in his character. Maybe our highest goal should rather be, rather than having a certain outcome or specific win or specific fail, maybe our highest goal should be the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord. That's what Job and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, which are the wisdom books, encourage us to do. That's, that's what they encourage us to do. Have your highest goal, the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord. So what then is the dilemma here? There's three things that Henny and I think <laughs> are relevant. One, when, when we have, when, the way we live our life, we can either put our trust in, not in God. If you're not trusting God, you'll put your trust in something else or someone else, even if it is in yourself. The problem with that is you trust who you follow, and inevitably you'll follow who you trust, right? So if you're basing your trust in an outcome, or you're putting your trust in a goal, or you're putting your trust in an end product, are you really trusting God? If you're praying to God for a certain outcome, and that outcome looks different, where are you anchoring your trust? Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, when it comes to not trusting God, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And I think if we do anything apart from God, outside of believing Him, the way, the end way, the end goal of that it leads to death, whether it's here in, light, on, in this earth or eternally, if we don't put our trust in God and choose to surrender our lives to Him, that way leads to death. Then the second thing, trusting God partially. And I think this is probably, well, this is often where I fall. I don't know, maybe, maybe not you, but I often fall into this, this portion. When we're trusting God with our, with our outcome or for His power only and not His wisdom as well, which means we're leaning on our own understanding where Proverbs encourages us to trust God with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. So he's encouraging us that there is a possibility for you to trust God and to lean on your own understanding. But don't do that, because that's partial trust in God, which means we're trusting in something more than God, other than God. We're adding to our trust in God, whether we're trusting ourselves we're saying, God, I trust you in my outcome. I trust you if I get what I want, if I get what I ask, if the outcome is favorable, if I will follow you if, I will follow you when you. So are you guys struggling to follow? Do you need to shake up? See, there's some heavy heads. But God encourages us to not lean on our own understanding. So quickly ask yourself the question, what do you lean on? 
Who do you lean on? When you're in a certain situation, who do you lean on? Who do you lean on? Lean on just means to cause, to carry your weight. So who do you lean on? To trust God fully is to trust that he knows best, even when the outcomes are not desirable. If we only trust him when we get what we want, we are only serving or trusting or following him partially, which is an indication of idolatry and pride. Because not serving God or trusting God fully means something else is taking his place. Because only he can be on the throne if he's on the throne fully, right? The third point. Trusting God wholly or fully. That means we're trusting in his power and in his wisdom. That means we're trusting him even in success. So when we obtain something, when the outcome is favorable, that we trust him in that. When the, when the outcome is not favorable, that we trust him in that. Even in abundance, even in poverty, even when we suffer or in pain, even when we don't understand, even when we cannot see, even when it requires much of us, even when it requires little. Even in flourishing, he knows best what we need because his ways are higher. If you look at the life of, of Job or you look at the life of Daniel or you look at the life of Esther or you look at the life of Jesus or you look at the life of David, so many examples of, of people trusting God regardless of the, their circumstances or their outcomes. Job, highly favored, highly loved, a child of God following him fully in full obedience, unfavorable circumstances and outcomes, chose to put his trust in God. Daniel, following God, worshiping God, praying towards God, refusing to deny his God, gets chucked into a lion's den, unfavorable circumstances, but chose to put his trust in God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship idols, got chucked into the fire, unfavorable circumstances, put their trust in God. Jesus, without sin, without blemish, fully obedient, the will of the Father looked different, but chose to put his trust in God. Before, um, before the service, Louis came to me and said, I feel like God has a word for you. Um, he's just saying that you must trust him, and like he's going to ask you to share something vulnerable. <laughs> And then during worship, I was like, oh, what do you want me to share? And then, um, yeah, God just took me back to, you've, oh, most of you have heard the story, but just took me back to the recess room um, in the emergency department with Azile when he drowned. Azile is our son, for those of you that don't know. And he was two years old at the time when he drowned. And we rushed him to hospital, and he was without life or you no heartbeat. And I remember him lying on the um, resuscitation table and all the doctors trying to resuscitate him and lots of needles and lots of machines and lots of things. 
and still no heartbeat. And doctors were pouring into to the ER. So many doctors were just coming and coming and coming in. And it, to me, it looked like they were Googling what to do. And I was like, God, what must I do? And then he said to me, I don't need an experienced team. I was like, okay, but what do I do now? And then he said, just trust me. Step back and trust me. I didn't know what that looked like. (laughs) I still often don't know what that looks like. But that trust me has been repeated in our lives so many times. Trust me when the outcomes are favorable. Trust me when the outcomes are not favorable. But anchor your trust in my character and not in the outcome. Anchoring our trust in something that's variable makes our trust variable. And God says that he is steadfast, that he is true, that he is constant. When asking God, what must we do now, God? He's got a heartbeat, but like the doctors think he's not going to make it through the night. What do we do now? Must we, must we fast? Must we pray? Must we, what must we do, God? What must we do? And God just said, don't fight. Just rest. Just be still. I don't know what that looks like. When they woke him up and we saw after a few weeks of going through a lot of ups and downs and we saw that his brain got really hurt and his body and his lungs... It was so overwhelming. His whole body was spasming and he was having convulsions and he was biting his tongue and he was, there was just blood everywhere and he was hyperventilating and unable to breathe on his own. And I was standing next to him and holding him and trying to help him and I couldn't. And it was so overwhelming that I couldn't even stay in the ICU next to my child suffering. And I walked out. And I went downstairs and I sat outside and I was just crying. I said to God, I can't do this. I can't do this, God. I don't know how to do this. And God said to me, trust me, I'm not finished yet. And I said, okay, what do I do now? He said, get up, go wash your face, go back. I said, okay. God is faithful to lead us and to talk to us and to guide us and to help us when we anchor our trust in his character and not in the outcome. But I want to encourage you as well, like sometimes the outcomes are amazing. Sometimes God provides in ways that we never thought possible. With Azal's medical fees now, just like a month ago, we had a fundraiser, and obviously his, his expenses are a lot. And we aimed, I don't know, to raise funds, and we were like, our goal is like 330,000 rand. But I mean, it's just a goal. It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> it's like, that's what it costs. We'd love to raise that. Then we have enough funds for six months for him. But uh, you don't know what, it's, what a fundraiser is going to look like and what the outcomes are going to be or whatever. And people gathered around us and God stirred people's hearts to action in such a way that it overwhelmed us, that we exceeded 
the target that we aimed for, that God provided way more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. But I know that he's our source, and my trust is not in my ability to raise funds. My trust is in his ability to provide for what I need, because he's my source. But trust requires and leads to obedience. I'm going to read quite a bunch of scripture quickly. Um, So just bear with me. But I really hope that the word speaks to you more than I do. You can just page with me to Proverbs 3 again. My son... Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And then Hebrews 12 I wasn't planning on crying, so I didn't bring tissue skissy. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one who he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, and it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then Philippians 4, Philippians 4 verse, verse 1 to 8 um, excuse, actually 4 to 9. I read it again this morning and decided otherwise. I'm struggling with it. Philippians 4, verse 1 to 8. 
Sorry about that. Okay. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And I just want to reiterate again that you trust who you follow. You follow who you trust. How do I know if I'm trusting God? Obedience is evidence. When God speaks, am I obedient to him? When God guides me, do I listen? Do I lean on him? Do I trust him? Do I acknowledge him in all my ways? Do I talk to him? Do I ask him? Do I thank him? Do I seek him? Do I listen to him? Do I follow him? Do you follow him? Do you trust him? Why is he trustworthy? One, he created us and knows everything. I love the way that God speaks to Job after he's lost everything. Job has just been persecuted and lost his children, lost his family, lost his income, lost his cattle, lost his house, lost his workers. He's lost everything, even his health. And he gets advice from a lot of places and a lot of people try and justify what's happened to him. And then even he starts thinking, his wife also starts coming against him and even he starts thinking, what does even happen? What have I done to deserve this? Why? What is, what is happening? And then God answers him. He asks God and then God answers him and speaks to him and says to him, okay, let's reason together. What do you know? Do you know where the snow comes from? Do you know how the earth was formed? And he talks about all the things that God created. He speaks of, of the oceans and the fish and dinosaurs and big things and small things and every detail of every person that God created. And he asks Job, do you know any of this? Do you know how to do this? Do you know the, the, the width of, of the earth? Do you know the expanse of the universe? Do you know the stars by name? Do you? And Job repents and says to him, truly I know nothing. I thought I knew something, but actually I don't. I'm very par paraphrasing where you can go read Job. But Job's response is, I'm so small, yet you regard me. I'm so small, yet you answer me when I ask you. I know nothing, God. You know everything. I trust you. 
He sees everything all the time. You can read Psalm 139. Psalm 139 just speaks of wherever we go, whether we try and run away from God, whether we sit, whether we sleep, whether we stand, whether we eat, whether regardless of what we are doing, God formed us and he knows us and he sees us and he sees everything. And even though he sees everything, his mercy is so great because he invites us to continuously come to him. He knows that we're undeserving. He knows that we're dust. He knows that, that we mess up. He knows that we miss him. He knows that he knows it. Yet still, he invites us to come. And he answers when we ask. He's steadfast and unchanging. His motives and plans and actions towards us are for our good and for his glory. He hears and listens and speaks. He loves us. And he has given everything to prove this. John 3.16 says that he, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us, to suffer on our behalf so that we can be reconciled to him because he loves us. That even while we were still sinners, he gave his son on our behalf for us to be redeemed to him. But he requires trust of us if we are to follow him. He requires trust of us if we are to follow him. I cannot say that I'm following someone when I'm not following them. following indicates movement, right? I'm following. Here I come. Not just hearing. Because often, I think it came out in the words, often we ask and then God answers and we don't follow. Often we ask God, can I, can I apply for this job and, and go for it? And God says no. And no. No, God, that's not what I was asking. God, bless this interview. Open these doors, God. God says, no, no, I don't trust you. I'm going for the interview. Because surely God will close the door if it's not from him, right? Right? In our relationships, do we trust him? When we ask him and he says no, do we trust him? In our circumstances, in our outcomes, in our desires, in the things we seek, if he says no, do we still trust him? I'm fully convinced that God is able to heal in this lifetime, any physical illness, I'm f fully convinced. There's not one doubt in my mind that God is able to heal any physical illness. I have asked God many times <laughs> for him to heal Isaiah, for him to touch his life, for him to end his suffering, for him to take him home. 
because I gave God either or. Like, God, either, either you heal him fully or you take him home. And God said, neither. But God, how the suffering doesn't make sense. God, I don't understand. What is, what is, uh, why? What for? He's a child. Why does he need to suffer like this, God? There's a way through. Okay, God, you show me. I don't have the answers yet. (laughs) We're still walking through. God's given many promises. God's given you many promises for us. (laughs) When you prayed for him, God spoke to you too. But can we choose to trust God regardless of the outcomes because we put our trust in his character rather than what we want or what we want to see or what we don't want or what we don't want to see? John 16 verse 33 says, I have told you these things, Jesus speaking to his disciples after the resurrection, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't want this message to sound condemning. I really feel God wants to encourage us. I really feel God wants to come and restore something in our hearts that has been distant from him, that we've been struggling to follow him fully because we don't actually trust him fully. And I really felt God wants to come and say that he is trustworthy. He is safe. He is reliable. He promises us an outcome without disappointment for eternity. That's unshakable. Like that's a promise that that we get that for eternity we will be with him without pain or suffering or lack or missed deadlines <laughs> or sickness. An eternity with him. We can trust him. You can stand. Maybe for a moment you can just, if you had to weigh up where you are when it comes to your trust with God, are you trusting, are you not trusting Him at all? There's unbelief in your heart. You're leaning on your own understanding. You, you've never chosen to, to put your trust in him, to surrender your life to him. Because you know what you can give and you know what you can do and it's easier to put your trust in yourself. I get that. Maybe you're at the second part where you're trusting God but you're only trusting God partially. You're saying, God, I trust you if, or I trust you when. And I'm sure it's our desire for all of us 
to be in a place where we can say, God, I trust you even if. I trust you even if you don't. I trust you even if I don't find a husband or a wife. I trust you even if I don't have children. I trust you even if I don't have a job. I trust you even if I don't. I trust you even if I don't. I trust you even if even if my circumstances don't change. I trust you. God, I trust you in my success. I trust you in the victory. I trust you on the mountaintop. I trust you in the valley. And maybe just be easy on yourself for a moment and acknowledge how far you have come. If you were to think about your trust a few years ago, where was it in comparison to now? Also, acknowledge things that have affected your trust in God, whether it's been disappointment or hurt or fear. Bring those before the Lord. Acknowledge pride in your own successes. Acknowledge distractions. Acknowledge disobedience. Acknowledge rebellion or apathy. Acknowledge selfishness or self-preservation. I read this one book. This, I, I really enjoy this book. <laughs> and I've used it as an example before. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. It's a story about these four characters that are just walking life and just contemplating the value of life and everything in life and just exploring different perspectives from one another. And the boy obviously being tiny and the horse being huge and big and strong and able to do so many things. The boy asks the horse, what is the bravest thing you have ever said? Asked the boy. Help, said the horse. Maybe you can just close your eyes for a moment. Father, this morning we just want to we just want to acknowledge and just say, God, there's been stuff that's been tough. things that have shaped our values, things that have shaped the way we see life. God, so often we followed in in the world's footsteps and followed the the direction of the world in saying that something can only be trusted when the outcomes are favorable. Or someone is only able to be trusted when there is no pain or suffering. Yet, God, you say that even in the suffering, you are with us. And that you are working it out for our good and for your glory, God. That you're working in us character that is unshakable, that leads to hope that does not disappoint. God, in this morning, we, we just want to acknowledge the things that are in our hearts that affect our trusting you. 
God, we want to acknowledge that we see dimly and we understand so vaguely, God. Our understanding is so limited, God, and our understanding of you even, God, is limited. God, will you help us? Will you help us to trust you? Father, we repent of not trusting you fully, of leaning on our own understanding. Will you come and show us where we've done that, Father, so that we can repent? (laughs) Thank you, God, that you are trustworthy. Thank you, Lord, that you see every tear. You see every hurt, you see every disappointment, you see every fear. You see where we've had to fight for ourselves and you see you see everything, God. You see a complete pers- your your perspective is the only one that is full. So God, we choose to trust you this morning. In Jesus name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.